I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to Psalm 47. If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you, this is on page 441. This is Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy, for the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Not Psalm 47. As we read this psalm, this initial invitation for all peoples to clap, for all peoples to shout to God with long, loud songs of joy, uh, one of the things that's being testified to in this psalm is that we are instruments made by God. Each and every one of us. As I was studying uh, this psalm this week, I was convicted of something that I say fairly often, which is, uh, I don't know how to play an instrument. I wish I knew how to play an instrument, but I don't know how to play an instrument. I took one year of piano, and so I can sight-read music, and I know where the notes are, but when I got to that point where I had to use both hands at one time, I just wasn't quite able to figure that out. And I I wish that I could play a guitar, or I could play the piano, or I could play an instrument. So I'll I'll fairly often say, I can't play an instrument. Reading again, though, and studying Psalm 47, I was convicted, though, that as human beings, we are instruments. We have the capacity, with nothing else being added to it, just from within us, to make a joyful musical noise to the Lord. He has made us that way, that each and every one of us can participate in the worship of our God, even if we had nothing else but ourselves. It adds an element of beauty when we can put a piano to it or a guitar to it or a drum to it. Uh, All of that is, is beautiful when we can add those elements to it. But simply on our own, As God has created us, we are instruments that have been made by him. And so I was convicted that as often as I say I can't play an instrument, there's a part of that that's actually insulting the God who made me. He created me like he created you. And in a unique way, as human beings, he has given all of us the capacity to worship him and to sing his praises. And so this psalm is universal. It doesn't say 
only to those who can carry a really good tune or only to those who have been trained and uh, are, are very skilled in what they do. But there's the assumption in this psalm that universally throughout the earth, everybody can be invited to clap. Everybody can be invited to shout for joy. Everybody, as it goes on, can be invited to sing the psalms back to God because we are instruments made by him. And so in thinking about that, that also then reminded me of the church of my youth where all of the singing on a Sunday morning and afternoon was done a cappella. And there was four-part harmony, usually and singing through the songbook, uh, but with no instrumentation. And that lack of instrumentation brought out of uh, the rest of us the realization that we have to add the different parts if they're going to be added. And so we need a tenor and a bass and a soprano and an alto. And when you've experienced a beautiful four-part harmony, you are amazed, again, at the reality that we are instruments made by God. And so there's a part of my pride that doesn't want to do this because I am not a gifted vocalist and we were just led in worship by gifted musicians but I do think there's a way to illustrate Psalm 47 by demonstrating the fact that we can a cappella with a bad worship leader sing and make a joyful noise to God so I'm going to have a song come up and this song is written many of you will know this song I will call upon the Lord one of the things I like about this song is uh, as if you don't know this song, it's very easy to learn because it's started by a leader and then it's sort of a call and response song. So you just have to sing what you hear. And then again, just sing what you hear. And this is how the majority of people across the world learn music and pass on the traditional music of their cultures. Uh, for my wife, uh, she loved choir singing growing up. And so one of the outlets for choir singing for her in recent years has been the Gospel Meet Symphony program, which is like a 200-person gospel choir matched with the Akron Symphony. And in February, they perform. And when she signed up for it, though, she was thrown off by the fact that almost none of the songs had sheet music. The leader would lead the song, and then you repeated it. And then they would lead it, and you would repeat it until you had it internalized that you knew how to sing the song. And I think usually every year, there's usually only one song that everybody gets sheet music for. And every other one is to simply listen and repeat, internalize and sing. So if you know this song, I'll need all the help I can get. I'll get it started and you'll sing it back and then we'll sing the chorus and then we'll pause. So uh, sing what you hear. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be safe from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Okay, that was wonderful. We're going to sing it even louder, 
And some of you are even more literal with Psalm 47. You started clapping, but only a few of you. So this time, we're going to sing it again. And when we start clapping, I thought I wouldn't be holding a microphone when I was doing this, so I thought I would be able to clap. But we will all clap when we start clapping in the chorus, okay? So how about you stand up again so that you can sing it out. And now we'll do the second verse. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Thank you very much for doing that with me. You are an instrument made by God. You can make a noise. You can snap your fingers. You can stomp your feet. You can clap your hands. I also don't do that very well in rhythm, and so I need other people to help me keep in rhythm in doing that. But all of us are instruments made by God. And what the psalmist also indicates is because he created us this way, our greatest joy is when our instruments are enjoyed for God. Because we were created with this capacity to sing, to shout, to make music, eventually to learn other instruments, and that, wow, there's other things that make noise. Let's figure out how to get them to make fine-tuned noise and uh, in a good rhythm, that the greatest expression of that is when we combine all of our efforts in the worship of God. That he's the, he's the greatest thing to brag about, to, to express our praise over. In a book I was reading this week, it was distinguishing gratitude versus praise. And in Thanksgiving, we're thinking, uh, many of us, about things that we're thankful for, and that's appropriate to do. And there's a part of gratitude that's connected to praise. But praise is yet another level where usually gratitude is expressing thankfulness for what somebody's done for you. And Praise includes that, but praise is a greater acknowledgement that is simply praising someone or something for who they are in themselves, for this good thing that they've done. And as human beings, we love to give praise. I mean, we go to, to stadiums to watch musicians perform or athletes perform. And there, when we shout and we sing, we're not saying thank you for something they've done for us. We're, we're adding voice to the acknowledgement that they are skillful, that they are beautiful, that they are strong. We, we add our voices to the acknowledgement of how great and good they are. And we all have the capacity to do that. 
throughout the world. It is universal in us because this is how God has made us, that we, we can notice things. We can adore things. We can say, wow, it is so beautiful that the light comes through in all those colors because an artisan planned well how all of that would be designed, that we could reflect on the varied light that God has made in this world. Each and every one of us have that capacity to praise things in this world or people in this world or events in this world. Uh, recently, uh, our youngest, uh, David, he challenged me to play Uno. He said, Dad, do you want to play Uno? And I said, sure, I'd love to play you in Uno. And then he said, just so you know, I never lose in Uno. <laughs> it's like, wow, you're six years old and you already have that kind of an attitude. <laughs> he actually proved it true in a best of three, though. I, I was not going easy on him at all, and he knows it well enough that he, he beat me in it. Uh, but as I heard that sense of praise of himself, it was, again, this revealing reality that when we see things that we think are great, when you go to a restaurant and eat great food or you watch a show that you think is great, there's a sense that you, you want to tell other people about it. You want to invite other people to enjoy the greatness with you, to see it and to behold it and to experience it. And so the psalmist saying that our instruments are supposed to be enjoyed for God is his way of inviting us to say, don't, don't settle for being good at Uno. <laughs> don't, don't settle for being skillful at your job or a good student or anything that will ultimately fade over time. Anything ultimately that won't be a sure and solid foundation. Let your greatest joy and your greatest praise go for the things that are eternal that are long-lasting, that are universal. And so the psalmist says to clap our hands and shout to God with loud songs of joy that he's the king over all the other kings. And so when our joy comes from worshiping him and praising him and acknowledging him, then we can have a sense that that joy will never fade. That, that song will never end. If we only have a sense of joy or desire to praise and worship when things are going well for us or things are in front of us that we can behold, then it'll be incredibly limited. Because eventually we'll disappoint ourselves. We'll be disappointed in other people around us. We'll be scared about world events and what's going on. And we can be shaken by all of those things. And so the psalmist reminding us that we're instruments made by God and that we are supposed to be enjoyed for him is inviting us to lasting joy, a song that we can sing in any circumstance, no matter what we're going through, because it's not based on how we're doing in a particular moment, how our, the events around us are going. And we have examples of that kind of worship, that ability to sing God's praises in any and every circumstance. One Old Testament example of that, I invite you to turn to the end of the book of Habakkuk. Uh, you might not know where that is. It's, uh, it's not the most popular of, of writers. It's a small little prophet in the Old Testament, and once I get to the page number, I'll tell it to you. Uh, it's 739. But this is a beautiful song of worship, this 
instrument fine-tuned to enjoy God in all circumstances at the very end of Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 to 19 you read these words though though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. What a song. In the Psalms, usually the direction to the choir master is at the beginning, but here it's at the end. And here the prophet is, if we were to put it in contemporary terms, like if I'm struggling to pay my utility bills and I just found out I only have two more weeks left of employment, if one of my children won't speak to me right now, if I'm not sure who's even going to show up to Thanksgiving, in all of those realities that are a part of just normal life in this world and painful things that we experience. Habakkuk is saying, yet I can still praise the Lord because he is still who he is. His goodness is still sure. His sovereignty is still strong. His plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. And so if he is my strength, then I can still be an instrument that's enjoyed in him. In the New Testament, we get this as we see the life of Jesus who knows that before him is ultimately the cross. The the worst thing that could happen to a human being on earth. And yet he was willing to be used by God and to be punished for our sins because he never doubted for a second that in spite of all that which happened to him, it did not change who his heavenly father was, nor the plan that he had that God could take through that pain, through that suffering, that he could bring about the redemption of the world. And so the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 says, that about Jesus, for it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Because he had a joy in his father, he could endure the cross. He knew what was solid. He knew what was eternal. If his joy was in his disciples, if his joy was in the crowds that he fed, if his joy was in the people that he healed, and all those good things, that joy would not have gotten him to endure the cross. But because his strength was based on his character and not his circumstances, on who his heavenly father was and what his plan was, he was still able to even that very night with his disciples, the night he was betrayed, it said before they went to Gethsemane, they sang a hymn. They worshiped. He did what Psalm 47 says. Rejoice in God. Sing 
a psalm to him because that's how we were created. And then the last thing that this psalm highlights is that we are also instruments that will be accountable to God. We, all of us, are instruments who are accountable to God. The psalmist has in view, yes, everybody, when it says all people, but as it goes on, it specifically is also indicating all the leaders of nations, all the people who, who think they're in charge and who are in charge to some extent, that they themselves are still instruments of God. And that's what Romans 13 says in the New Testament as well, that everybody who is an earthly authority or leader is ultimately an instrument accountable to God. They can honor his ways and receive his blessing, or they can reject his ways and receive his accountability and his punishment. But there is nobody so powerful that they can avoid ultimately encountering the God who made them. There is no position on earth that allows somebody to sidestep their accountability before the God of the universe. There's no gathering of the G20 summit, the United Nations Security Council, the World Economic Forum. There is not a single planning meeting taking place on the globe in which the people are unaccountable to the God who made them and before whom they will stand. It says that they will come, the, the shields of the earth is the, the phrase that's in, our, uh, in this psalm in verse 9. It says, the princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. All of the people who stand in a position of authority over other people will give an answer to God for how they stewarded, nurtured, cared for, or exploited, abused, and manipulated the instruments that God has made. And that's what we believe, that God is sovereign over it all, that nothing is happening in this world that he does not see, that he is not aware of. And so everyone is accountable to him. And that doesn't explain for us, and many of the Psalms indicate, <laughs> when we, at one hand, when we think of that truth, we wonder why so many bad things happen. But what the Psalm is reminding us is that though all those bad things happen, they will not go unanswered. That justice ultimately will prevail. That God will not be mocked in any way. He is who he is, and that is unchanging. We can joyfully enter into the adoration and the worship of him, or we are given the capacity to freely reject him and go our own way. But all of us will ultimately be accountable to him. And in this accountability, what we see is the psalmist already very early on highlighting the fact that the Great Commission given in Matthew 28 is not something new. It's been the plan from the beginning. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them in the garden. He blessed them. And from the beginning, he told them to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. Here, the psalmist is saying, God is, he is the God of Israel. He has chosen Jacob as his heritage. He's doing something unique among the people of God. 
there's unique things expressed in the law and in the temple. But from even that time, the goal has been that people from all the earth would come to worship. That it would go from Israel into the world. That through Abraham's seed, there would be a blessing to all the nations. And so then when Jesus in Matthew 28 says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he charges in the beginning of Acts his disciples to carry out his mission. He tells them to start somewhere, to start in Jerusalem and Judea, but he tells them to keep on going, to go into all the earth because there's not a place on this planet if there are people there that they are not made in his image, that they are not made as instruments created by him to ultimately enjoy a relationship with him. And so in whatever ways we've experienced the goodness and the sweetness and the joy of finding our strength in him and, and not in our circumstances, then we're invited to tell people about that, to invite them into that same joy, to know the one who's the king over all the earth, to join the choir, to sing and clap along with us the song that will not end to the God who will reign forever. That's our calling as his followers. As we experience his goodness and his love for us, his grace given to us through Jesus, we have this joyful privilege to tell other people about it. Not to diminish, ultimately, the other joys and blessings that each and every one of us experience and all the other things we have to be thankful for but we have something better, something even greater to say we know the one who's given us all of that. <laughs> we know the one who's made the world the way it is. And we know the one who's promised to remake the world, to bring the new heavens and the new Jerusalem to this earth so that we can experience it in all of the fullness and grandeur that it was originally designed to include. I mean, that's the greatest Yelp review or Google review or, or praise you can offer to somebody to say, I have to tell you about this. Would you join me? Would you clap with me? Would you sing with me to this God who made you and who loves you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder that we have in your word that you are worthy of all of our praise. That as the sovereign one over our individual lives and over our collective humanity, that you are the only one who can inspire within us a song that never ends. That you are the only one that can give us the ability to rejoice in all circumstances to find our strength in you no matter what it is that we might be struggling with in the moment. And so, Heavenly Father, we do pray that through your Son and our Savior, you would continue to convict our hearts, that we would be amazed at his own obedience to you, his own ability to worship you in all circumstances and to fulfill your plan for each and every one of us. 
that it would cause us to overflow in joy, to be his ambassadors in this world. To start with the opportunities that are right around us, but to also be excited about all the ways we can partner with people all over the world in inviting them to join in the great choir that you are creating. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for making us. And we pray that you would just continue to keep, help us keep our eyes on you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.